Let me greet someone beside you and then be seated. I was just in the car, I was just talking to my assistant and I was saying to her, I know I have the weirdest conversations with people sometimes and I was just saying to her, does God excite you? She was looking at me, I said, yes, does he excite you? God has to excite you. You can't, you are living below standard if God doesn't excite you. If coming to church is a drag, if we're coming to church because, I mean, that's what we should do. Not because you're hungry to meet him. I mean, his presence was so strong and so sweet during that worship. How could you miss that? Some people are pressing their phone. How is it doing you? Ah, he's a good God. The more I read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the more I know how good he is. I've been, in fact, today, I don't even know which version of the Bible I'm going to read to you people because every version I read, I'm blown away. Like, what kind of God is this? I pray you never get familiar. I pray you never lose your wonder of God. The worst thing that can happen to you when God becomes Shebina God. Amen. So, I wasn't expecting everything to be so deep and intense tonight. <laughs> so, I wanted to, first of all, start out with um, someone I call Little Preacher now. My son shared with me his own revelation of Out of Eden. And for those who missed it on my Instagram feed, I wanted to play it tonight. <laughs> just to ease up on things a little. I don't know, Projector, do you have it? Okay. Please just listen to David's version of who genocide the place. He made he made everywhere. He made he made Adam he made somebody called Adam. They they called Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. But then Eve saw a saw a snake. Mm -hmm. That told him, Did God tell you to not eat those fruits? He said that no, no, no. God said you should not eat that fruits. So the God was just telling a lot joke with you. So he can eat it very yummy. So so Adam took a bite. So Eve so Eve took a bite. bite. Mm -hmm. And he gave Adam some more. Mm -hmm. Then then God now said, You disobey me. All of them. And they said that God now said that you have to make your own heart. Then they know how they how made a dish they were holding a pool of cars. Well, a pool of cash. Adam used it and hit the floor. If we try to fix the energy. What's an energy? You don't remember that thing that I puffed. Okay, so is that how the story ended? Or Jesus came to save us? And Jesus made somebody else. He made Abraham. Abraham. <laughs> he made Abraham. Jesus made Abraham. What he, he, he made a boat. He made all the animals. Okay. He brought all the animals. No, that's Noah now. 
Not no. a brown. Yes. No one. <laughs> God made Noah then. Uh-huh. Then Noah um, made a boat. Noah made a boat. For people who are helping him. Okay. He, he was was hitting him. He was hitting some was hitting the boat with hammer. Boom. 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 Okay. Boom. Then now did a, and everybody was happy. Boom. Boom. It was rubbish then and brought the back. The boat they helped him make was well. You said the animals yes. entered now. It was nice when the animals entered. Yes, but now they make. How did the animals enter? Was it two by two? Yes, one. The the and the giraffe went in. The lion now went in. It's now the cheetah's turn. Was doing coming fast. But but see, see see what the turtle was doing. So the turtle was going slowly. Okay, guys, that's David. David. In Jesus' name, we pray. We've heard your message today. So in Jesus' but name, we pray. But today, my name is David. But but now, my name is David. Forget. Don't forget that Jesus loves you. Oh. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. So the truth of the matter is that that's his version of the creation story. But you know that there's some truth to it, you know. <laughs> Even though a lot of it was mixed up, but there was some truth to it. Because when he said that God shined the place, God shined the place, and I said, let there be light, and light shone in the darkness. So he said, God shined the place. Then God put Adam and Eve in the place. <laughs> so anyhow, um, I just wanted to lighten the mood. But the truth is that the story is, it's not a story that is a, it's not a story from the storybooks. It's a real thing that happened. And I found out that a lot of people do not take the Bible seriously. They think that the Bible is a storybook or a book we're supposed to cram. It's a real experience of what happened at creation. It's a real experience and explanation of who we are today. So, we're talking about out of Eden. And I'm just going to do a quick recap before I get into um, what God will have me say today. So the first thing we need to understand that God actually did make the heavens and the earth. Okay? And then he created man and woman. And then he created a garden. He planted a garden. And he put them in the garden. I was going to read it, but I don't even know if I read it, if I will get into preaching tonight. Because I've already had my hallelujah moments in the car. So I'm going to try to keep everything short. So the simple instruction God gave is that I've created everything you can possibly eat. There's apple tree. There's mango tree. There's banana tree. There's plantain tree. There's guava. He says, but apart from all these other trees, there are two trees that are going to be in the middle of everything. One is the tree of life. Then the other is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, you can eat everything, but that particular one, he says, don't eat it. And so the Bible tells us that Eve now encountered the snake. And the snake said to her, like David said, God was just joking with you. You can eat it. Nothing will happen. You will not really die. The woman said, God told us not to even touch it. The woman said, no, you can eat it. Nothing will happen. And the woman believed the serpent. And she took from, from the tree and she ate the tree. And what happened was that they now had the knowledge of good and evil. And I explained to you last week, if you were in the service, 
that that actually means that they became conscious of both their spirit and their natural, okay? So when he talks about evil there, he's not talking about bad things. He's talking about your physical, your carnal nature, being more aware of your flesh. And this is important because you must understand that man is a spirit. You know, I said it to you last week, that you don't have a spirit, you are a spirit. So man is really a spirit. What you really are is a spirit, But the only way that you can be legally on this earth is when you have a death body, a a body made from dust, okay? And when I was reading this, I was reading this a few minutes ago in the car, and then it occurred to me that Genesis chapter 1 is actually a summary of what God did. So that's not really... How many people here think that God called the birds of the earth and they came forth? How many people? Uh Uh-uh. Why are you behaving like this in this church? Oh yeah, let's read it now. Genesis 1, when God said, let the fish come out of the water. Did you not know how he created? Uh-huh. When he said, come out, birds, come out. Is that not what happened? But a few minutes ago, I just noticed something. That you know, that is where we are missing it. A lot of times, we're looking at the Bible, but we're not really looking at the Bible. We're looking at the Bible, but we're hearing stories we heard in Sunday school. And the Bible says that you must observe to do. So when this book of the law, it says you will not depart, but you must observe. You will look, what God is expecting is that you will look closely at the word of God to know the principles so that you can do it. So from creation, from the very beginning, we can see that the way God did things, we can see from the way God did things, how we are to do things. Basically, God gave us that story. In fact, he didn't need to. It was not Adam that wrote Genesis. It's Moses. Do you understand? So God wanted us to have something that we can work with every day because he knows that now our minds are not operating the way Adam was operating. Adam was operating in a way that he could remember everything for eternity. He named all the animals and he knew what they were called. His mind was operating at a phenomenal capacity. He was unlimited. He was totally like God. When God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness, he was not joking. He meant it. We were gods, literally. So I believe that the same way that Adam could enter, I believe he was sustained for days under the water, naming the fish. I believe Adam could fly. Because I feel like he went up. He flew up. He was unlimited like God. God is unlimited. He can be here, be everywhere at the same time. Adam was totally unlimited. But you know, when he sinned, he entered a natural state. He became more conscious of his carnal, became more conscious of his flesh. So that placed a limit on him. And that really is the problem with us today. Because we are more aware of our natural. That's why we don't take some of the bold steps that we should take. How many of you know, like I said last week, the thing that is limiting you is fear. And why are you afraid? It's because you are more conscious of your natural than you are of your spirit. Because when it comes to your spirit, your spirit cannot be held down. Your spirit can do anything. And that's really what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to show us how we should live on this earth. Jesus was all spirit and yet he was all flesh. So he, was, he, came, he came as a result of, I'm jumping ahead of my message, but he came as a result to show us that you don't have to live in the state where your flesh determines things. Yes, the real, the real reason why you have a body is so that you can have legal rights to be on this earth. 
Because I was telling them yesterday, your most important and valuable tool on this earth is not your spirit, it's your flesh. Because if you don't have a flesh, you will go to heaven. So you need a body to be here, which is another reason why we need to take care of our bodies. So don't put junk in it. Satan knows. So you make us eat donuts, eat this, eat anything, smoke this, drink that. You're destroying your body. He knows that if he can get you to destroy your body, you will not be useful here and God can't have an army here. So the real reason why God gave you a body and said, let them have dominion. God did not say, let us have dominion. God said, let us make man, but let them have dominion. Which means that you are the one that has legal right on this earth. God does not. He's a spirit. He doesn't have a body. But he will walk through you. And that's why God wants people that have free will. Angels. He created angels. Well, you know that angels cannot but obey him. Angels don't have free will. If God says, come, they come. If you, as a believer, understand your right as a child of God, you can send angels about and they cannot say no to you. Angels don't come to give you advice. No. They are ro- literally like robots. So they must worship God. God wanted someone like him who had the free, free will to say, I can decide not to obey you, but I want to. That's what true worship is. So he wanted to have that kind of relationship, so he created us. But Satan knew that the only way... See, when, so when Satan heard God say, let them have dominion, Satan knew that, ah, I found a clause that I can use against God. And so Satan did something. He came to the serpent. I'm paraphrasing. If you go study the Bible very well, see it. He came to the serpent and he said to the serpent, let me use your body. Now, the reason why I stressed on the fact that, let me see if I can find that verse. The reason why I stressed on the fact that a lot of us think that God spoke and that's what all that happened. In chapter 2 of Genesis, chapter 2 of Genesis emphasizes to us what actually happened. So it breaks down everything that happened. Because in the, in the beginning, Genesis 1 tells us that God made man, male and female created he, them. He formed them from the ground. It's in chapter 2 that he now explains that even though I formed them from the ground, I, I created them. This is what really happened. I formed the man, breathed into him. Then I took a rib from the man. And I created the woman. So if you read that chapter 1, you just think, oh, they just formed us from the ground, male and female, and we're going. No. Chapter 2 now starts to break it down to you. So chapter 2 tells us that. Okay, let me start from um, chapter 1. Genesis 1. Let me start from chapter 1. Um, verse... Mm. So forgive me, this is not even a part of my message. I saw it this evening in the car, and I was just, I was just screaming. Uh, okay, it said, verse 24. Okay? Oh no, let's start from verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created, so listen, God spoke. God said, let the fish come out. Okay. God said, let the fish come out from the sea. And then the next verse tells us that God formed them or God created them. And you see, I read that scripture and the Holy Spirit said to me, look closely at that scripture. That is the reason why a lot of us make confessions and they don't come to pass. God said, let this thing happen. And then God went to work. 
Chapter 2 actually tells us that God formed the bed from the dirt. So the same way man was formed from the dirt is the same way fish, serpent, everything was formed from the dirt. So they have a dead body. That's why they had legal rights to be on earth as well. So Satan understood this and went to the serpent and said, borrow me your body. Because I am a spirit, it will be illegal. Listen, if Satan had come, ooh, and gone to Adam, Adam would say, come on, get out from here. Because you don't have a body. You don't have a right to be here. Adam would have recognized that it's illegal for this person to be here. That's why God did not come and start naming animals. Because it was now the human being's responsibility to take care of any, everything that was on earth. And the Bible says that it was what Adam called each living creature that it became. I need you to follow me closely tonight. It was what Adam said that happened. God had already blessed him. God had first created him to be like him. Then God blessed him and gave him rights. Say, you have complete and total right on this earth. Anyone that does not have a body, death body, does not have a right on this earth. That's why you can cast out demons. So a demon cannot come and be chancing you. Something is pressing you in the night. Pressing you in the night in heaven, in hell, on earth. If it's on earth, they have no rights. No right whatsoever. So you tell it, get out in the name of Jesus and it will go. Because it has no right. So Satan came and said, borrow me your body. And the serpent did. Because the Bible says that the serpent was the most crafty of all the animals. The snake. And he borrowed his body and he used it to lie to Eve. And Eve listened. And Eve obeyed. Rather than obeying God, Eve obeyed the serpent and tasted the fruit. Because there was something longing in her to know more than she already should. So let's start from Genesis 3, from verse 10. I'll read that, then I'll share a few things with you, and then we can pray this evening. Okay. Can you go up a bit? Maybe eight. Seven, I think. Seven. Seven. It says, immediately the two of them did see what was really going on. They saw themselves naked. Give me NKJV today. Give me NKJV. Give me NKJV. Okay. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves covering. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam hid his... Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Remember I told you last week that sin always brings that inferior condition. So Adam, who was thinking at optimal level, started making stupid decisions. Everybody knows you can't hide from God. If the first thing you do is hide from God, they should tell you that you've started already, that your thinking has started dropping. And then they wanted to now cover their nakedness. They use leaf. Everybody knows that leaf will wither in a few minutes. So Adam had already started dying and he didn't even know it. Verse, give me next verse, nine. Nine, 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 keep up. He says, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Verse 10. Then he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. How many of you know that God wasn't asking for his location? God wasn't saying, where are you? Because he couldn't find him. God could see him. God was saying, where are you? For him to check himself. God wanted him to, to, to understand that he had totally missed it. And, so he, and then he said, who told you that you were naked? You know, I've been meditating on this word all day. 
Who told you? I think the real problem to everything that we do in this world is who told you? I can't pass my exam. Who told you? I can't get married this year. Who told you? I can't have children. Who told you? Who told you? I can never. Who told you? I can never build it. Who told you? The problem comes when you stop. What God was saying to him is the problem comes when you stop listening to me and you start listening to other people. He says, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Verse 12. You need to move fast. Then the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. You know, one of the first things that I noticed there is that they first became afraid of God. Then they became ashamed. And shame does, in fact, shame is horrible. Shame does some really terrible things. Someone was visiting me this afternoon how she resigned from her job. But she was entitled to a certain payment and she forgot to add it. And she resigned as HR. She's head of HR in the organization. And normally, she would, you know, tell, if somebody resigned, say, oh, this person didn't take this money, please pay them. But because it was now her, said she didn't want it to look like his money that is making her leave. So she was, she was ashamed. So she didn't want to go to her boss. And somebody was telling her, but it's your money. You earned it. She now said, no, if it's that one, let me leave it for them as I'm going. And then, as she was leaving, the Holy Spirit said to her, the, what you're feeling right now is shame. Shame. He said, go back and ask for your money. And so she went to her boss and said, oh, this, you guys are supposed to pay me this thing. And the man said, oh, I know that, but you are not the one that should be talking. Let someone else speak since you've resigned. And they paid her her money. You would have missed it because of shame. Do you know that, eh? The worst that can happen is that they will say no. Last, last. They will say no. But you will never know until you try. But Satan wants to keep you ashamed so that he can rob you of what is rightfully yours. Don't let them hear your voice. Don't shout too much. That's not how women behave. Are you, you can't be talking like that. You're not even married. So what? So what? That's shame. Satan wants to keep you ashamed so you cannot get the best in life. Another thing that shame does, which is another terrible thing, is shame causes you to blame other people. So God came to Adam and said, have you done this thing? And Adam said, no, it's not me. It's the, it's you. <laughs> it is the woman that you gave me. So it's both you and the woman's fault. And then they asked the woman, okay, you uncle. She said, no, it's not me. It's the serpent that you created. So God, it's you and the serpent's fault. And if you notice, when, you are, when shame enters your life, you never take responsibility for anything. Never. And that, that puts you in an inferior state. Because in the very first, very, very first place, God put you in charge of everything. So at that time, God was not used to man being so inferior. Adam had become so inferior that he was blamed. This is somebody who understood that everything concerning this life and this earth was his responsibility. He knew it and he was living that way until he sinned. Then it became every other person's fault but his own. And I noticed something in that scripture. See, the truth is that you need to look, you need to look very closely at this Genesis 1, 2, and 3. If you can read it, read it in many versions. You'll be shocked at the revelations in it. You'll be shocked. I mean, you'll be shocked at the things. Because I was looking at it and I realized that the Bible says that God asked the man. And the man answered and said, it is the woman you gave me. And then God asked the woman. And the woman said, it is the serpent you gave me. The next verse, verse says, give me 14. 
And he says, so the Lord God said to the serpent. And I was asking, why did you ask Adam what happened? You asked Eve what happened when he got to the serpent. You did not even ask him any question. You just went straight to punishing him. Because when God asked Adam, I believe, this is my personal opinion, I believe that God was still giving him a chance to own up and repent. When he asked the woman, he was saying, maybe this man does not have sense. Maybe if this one repents, then maybe there's hope for human race. She did the same thing. But when he got to the serpent, because he was addressing Satan, and Satan can never be given a chance to repent, it's over. God just went straight to declaring, this is what will happen. And you see, God said to him, because you have done this, when he was addressing the serpent, he said, because you have done this, what is that thing he has done? Because you gave Satan your body to use. He says, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Which means that Satan was, uh, sorry, the serpent. So you must understand, there are two, the spirit in the snake was Satan. But God was first addressing the serpent before he got to Satan. So the first place, he just said, you, because you have done this, you gave your body. This is what you'll be. You'll be most cursed of all animals. And he said, you will, no, give me, I'm still saying something. He says, and on your belly you shall go. So which means that the snake was not always gliding on the floor. He had legs. He probably was walking upright. And God said, okay, so it was probably like man. The way man was upright, had hand, had leg. But because he sinned, God said, so you're going to be the, the lowest of all low. So now you'll be rolling on the floor. Then God now faced Satan because he has addressed him. That does you eat all the Then God now faced Satan, 15. God now says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. It's not snake. He has stopped talking to the snake in 13. Snake, snake punishment was easy. He said, you, you'll be, nobody will like you. Just, you just be an idiot. Just be rolling there. Because you do not value the body I gave you. You do not value, don't understand what he meant. Then he faced Satan. He said, you. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Do you know that if you look at that scripture, you will not really see. If you don't look at it carefully, you won't see what God is saying. God is telling him that, see eh, you try though. I know drag, say you try. For this one, you think say you don't win, Abby. You went to deceive the woman. He said, this same woman that you used her head is the same woman that I will use. She will give me a body and I will come back to this world and I will destroy you. So at this point, God had already declared a redemption plan. He had already said that Jesus is coming. Ah. See, if God doesn't excite you, I don't know what else will. Do you know that we serve a God that cannot be stranded? If it's you that planned that you've built garden, you've done everything you've done, then one small mistake comes and scatters. You know you will just give up, Sha. But God already from here had a plan. But let me tell you, this is not where God had the plan. Because I was thinking about it the other day. That Jesus, you know, you know why God had to come as a man? Because for God to operate legally on this earth, he needs a body. Because God cannot break his own law. He said it is man, anybody who has a body that has legal right to this earth. So what Satan did was illegal. But God, Satan knows that God cannot play that law. But he did not anticipate that God is always a million steps ahead of him. Hmm. So when he was doing this thing, 
God had already planned that he will come back as a person. The plan took many years to materialize. But God had already planned that I will come back as a man. And I will do things. When I am done, I will give these people the right to tread upon serpents and scorpions. He says they will bruise his head. So when he says he has given you authority to trample upon snakes, he's not just talking about physical snake. So he's not saying enter bush and be looking for scorpion. No. He's talking about the authority that will come when Jesus comes and pays the price. But let me tell you what totally blew my mind. Ah, this God. If you don't fear him, I'm afraid of you. It's you I'm afraid of. I was just thinking about it. Do you know that as a woman, you know, if, if Jesus had come, no, my, any other means, normal means, like man and woman having sex, you know that the same sin nature would be in Jesus. You know that, right? But when God made a woman, listen, when God made a woman, he made a woman in such a way that she can carry a child and their blood will never mix. Any woman that's had a child will know what I'm talking about. You will carry your child and your child and your, your blood and your child's blood will not mix. So, the child will not have your blood. So when Jesus came, if Joseph had done the work, he would be a sin man. God had to overshadow the woman. So it was not a coincidence. See, that's why he picked a virgin. Because if not, somebody go say, mm, I lie, this one. It'd be like saying, uh, which guy? We had to be without doubt that this was God. God got her pregnant. Her blood did not mix. Jesus was carrying 100% the blood of God. That's why he was a worthy sacrifice. Because if not, his blood would have been useless. But you know what's fascinating to me? Do you know that it was before they even sinned that God made the woman that way? So God already had a plan. That in case you mess up, hey, hey, he said, in case you want to mess up, I already have a solution. I'm telling you, you cannot mess up your life. God already has a plan for your life. That in case you marry a useless man, God already had a solution before you were born. He said, before I formed you, I knew you and I had a plan. Hey. You don't understand. I'm telling you that before Satan, Satan thought he had won. Before he even started playing, Jesus had won. So even before the foundations of the earth, that's why he says that Jesus was slain. Jesus, they have, even before we made the mistake, they've, they've done solution. Even before he created, even before he said, let there be light, he had slain Jesus. So the God that we are serving is not, li- when I say it's not limited, I'm not talking about that. He, you know when you say somebody is not limited, we can't comprehend it. You can't understand. That's why we will constantly be in awe of this God. That's why he, it was paining him. They say, how can you see? And, and it's, always, it's always about priority. It's always about order. 
God was not really about that tree. It was an issue of you must serve no other God. When God is your God, his word is final. It means that when he says something to you, you don't question it. Adam chose to listen to his wife. That was the real thing. See, go to where he talked to the man. Go down. Then he said to Adam, he said, then to Adam he said, because you have, give me message translation. Let me see if he says it better. Give me message translation. He said, he told the man, this is why he's punishing him. Do you understand? He told everybody the reason why. And in fact, God was even punishing him. Let me tell you, yesterday, ah, when I was reading the scripture, my head, my head was just expanding and reducing. Do you know that God didn't curse them? I want to just blow your mind small now. God said, look at it well. Look at the Bible. Don't listen to a Bible story. Read your Bible. As I was looking, it to me that God did not curse them. What God was saying was, this is what will now begin to happen as a re- result of what you have done. Because you know why God himself said, whom God has blessed, no man can curse. So because you are blessed, God cannot curse you. He blessed you, cannot revoke it. So God said, I'm just telling you what will begin to happen now as a result of what you've done. It's like when you don't pay your tithe. God is not saying you are cursed with a curse as in from now, bad things will happen to you. No. God is just saying this is what will be happening as a result of what you've done. I'm not saying I'm going to punish. No. You have already punished yourself. You have already empowered yourself to fail. That's what the curse really is. So God said to him, he said, because you listened to your wife. That's the real reason God is upset. You listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat. So in other words, you placed her above me. I told you something, you chose to listen to her. Then he said, the very ground is cursed because of you. He didn't say I now cursed the ground because he said, this is a result of what you've done. He says, getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies is for your wife. He says, you will be working in pain all your life long. You won't understand this if you do not read the previous scriptures that talks about the fact that the man did not have to toil or labor. Even to water the ground. Water used to come out from the ground to water the ground. Hey, We must all go back to Eden. Eden is a place of rest. It's not a place of laziness, but it's a place of rest. So God would say a thing, then he would bend down and do the work. Just the same way Elijah said it will not rain for three and a half years. And then he went to pray. He said, but he went back to create it in the spiritual. So all this, I'm confessing it's not happening. I'm confessing it's not happening. Because apart from confession, there is work. There is the working of miracles. Ah, I pray that you get it this night. Ah, I pray. Give me 18. So somebody who is used to just come, just take apple from here. His only work was naming it. That is apple, this banana, this orange, and just making sure everything remains in its state. Because when God planted the garden, the Bible tells us that God put him in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it. Those were his two assignments. Not to be like David said, carry stick and be hitting the ground. That's not, that was not what was his assignment. So hustling is anti-eating. Anti-eating. Anti-anti. It's against Edensha. Last, last. 
So all this hustling, you are going out. I see what pains me about hustling is you are hustling, but you don't know whether you go work or you don't go work. That's what hustle is. But the man was working, knowing that it is already working. He says, the ground will sprout thorns and weeds. Before now, when Adam wants something, there's no opposition. Now, even if you plant, thorns and weeds will come out. So do you understand what it means for you to just be cruising? You are walking, but you know that I'm walking. So you're walking backwards, literally. So you know that you are rich. So you are going to walk so that you're already, you're already rich. Do you understand? You are going to walk so that you can catch up with the prophecy that is hanging over your life. Not that you are hustling so that one day, one day, one day, it go better. It do already better. You are now walking. That's, you are not, you, you, are, you have passed your exam. You have seen the mark. It's now for you to go to class and attend the exam with that consciousness. Eh? And you know fear is what makes you fail. If you know you've already passed, you know there's a way you enter the exam. With confidence. With confidence. And that, see, I've never failed an exam in my life. Never. I've never had to receive a course. I've never done exam more than once. I've never done jam, but I don't do all those things. Never. It's never happened to me. What set me free? One day. Let this mind that is in Christ be in you. I know he's talking about humility, but the thing just opened to me in a different way. The mind of Christ can be in me. I can have the mind of Christ. I asked myself, is if Christ writes exam, can he fail? No. And I have the mind of Christ. From that day, I made a decision that I will never fail. And I've been living my life that way. It's a consciousness. You are rich. You are just going to work because you are not lazy and to fulfill purpose. That's what Adam was doing. But he said, but you will get your food the hard way. Planting, tilling, harvesting. Do you know that harvesting here is cause? You know, we are so natural now. We are so used to hustle. We are so used to suffering. We are so used to labor. We are so used to getting it ourselves. That we can't even appreciate the goodness of God. And that's what God was telling him. He said, you will enter the natural realm. He's paining me for you. Eat banana, eat apple, leave this one. Leave this one. Because I don't want you to taste what it is to be natural. You're spiritual. You're unlimited. I want you to be like me. Ah. You see, let me explain something to you. It's like, I was telling them yesterday on the island church. It's like when you are, when you are in worship, like the kind of worship that was happening this night, you know there's a realm you will enter in worship. Eh? I don't know if you've ever been there before. Where you feel like your spirit wants to leave your body. Like you feel, you literally feel yourself shaking. And, in, and that shake is that, ah, let's, I, sometimes I feel like I'm floating in a room. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. Are there people like that in the house? Where you know that God is here, you are feeling it, you are, and then you stand up feeling like you can handle anything. If they ask you anything at that time, you know it. Where people pass by you and you can literally sense what's going on in their hearts. That people are speaking to you, but you are hearing what's in their hearts, not what they are saying from their mouths. Ah, it's a, it's, a, it's a realm in God. It's a realm in God that people will be talking to you like this. They are laughing with you, but you know, say this one. This one, I don't see even, and God will say, but you must still love her. You must still treat her as if you don't know. You must still, that is the, the height of spirituality. Height of spirituality. There are people who pass by me and their spirit, I'm repulsed by their spirit. I'm like, God, God, say, let's just leave it at the things I'm saving you from. 
You'll be amazed. That's, that's their realms, supernatural realms in God. And that's what God wants. And it only comes from the presence. That's what we, you see this thing that Adam threw away is what we come to church every day during worship to try to get back. To walk perpetually with God. To constantly be on that high. Where, where you, are, you, are, you are hearing deep things in God. You are pressing in. And as you are pressing in, you are, you are, you are hitting something, but you want to go deep. You know, that's, that's, why, that's why the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. And he was not. There's a way you will be. You, you yourself know that you are almost not. Uh, until you get there, you understand what I'm saying. Where you are so conscious of the spiritual, it's so intense, it's so deep. Give me the next verse, 19. It says, sweating in the fields from dusk. Sweat is coarse. <laughs> hey, God. From dusk to dawn, until you return to that ground yourself, dead and buried. And it says, you started out as dirt, and you will end up as dirt. Before now, there was no death. We're not going to go back to the ground. But now, that's the end of all man. That's what we lost. But Jesus came back. <laughs> you know, before we even sinned. He was already slain. So Jesus came back to show us what it means to have Eden right now. So Jesus was constantly in that state of the presence of God. I told you last week that Eden is not a location. Eden is the presence of God. Anywhere the presence of God is, that's where Eden is. So Jesus came with that. You know, he would... <laughs> He went to somebody who had died for days. He stood at the altar and he raised his head. Sorry, he stood at the tomb and he raised his eyes to heaven. And Bible says, and he said, Father, I know that you hear me always. That's, he was telling them that I'm constantly going about with heaven. In fact, he even told Peter, I said, do you think that if I want legions of angels to come and rescue me, is this your one sword? He said, put that thing away. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If I want to be rescued, I'll be rescued. Because he had the conscience. As Jesus was moving, angels were moving. He was conscious. As you are moving as a child of God, angels are moving, but you are not conscious. That's the only difference. And so the real reason why I'm showing you what happened in Eden is for you to know that you can move about with the consciousness of God. Eden can be with you today. It's not something we are thinking that we are hoping that one day, why didn't this happen? Why did no Eden is here now? Because Jesus came to restore Eden. So you can walk about with the consciousness of God, with the presence of God. How do you cultivate the presence of God? How do you how do you because that's that's the real assignment? The Bible tells us that he planted a garden, the garden of Eden, and then he put the man in it to cultivate it and to keep it. So the garden of Eden, the prayer, the presence of God was the man had two assignments. To cultivate it and to keep it. So what does it mean to cultivate? Let me see if I can. I, 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 I try to get a dictionary meaning. Because yesterday I told them, I said, it requires some work. It's not something that, you're just, that is just going to happen. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I've been doing this soul purge. Because I feel like God wants me to get back to a place of eating. A place of being so conscious of his presence. So throughout today, what we did was we prayed, in, we prayed throughout today. So literally throughout today, I've been praying in tongues. When I'm not doing something or talking to someone, I'm praying in tongues, or I'm praying in my heart, or I'm listening. Because prayer is not just about talking, but I'm listening for God's instruction. So I've literally been carrying Eden about with me today. So what does it mean to cultivate? 
It says to, to promote or improve the growth of something by labor and attention. So if you are going to cultivate Eden in your life right now, the presence of God, you must give it attention. And you must put labor into it. In other words, you must put the work. So the first thing you must do, prayer. You have to have a prayer. I don't know how. How can you live without the presence of God in your life? So you have to have a strong prayer life. When I mean prayer, I'm not just saying always, you know, make it. But I think sometimes it is that consciousness that God is with you and you're speaking with him throughout the day. And you're speaking to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want to cross the road now. You know, you ask him silly questions and he's there, he's listening, he's answering. That's what it means to cultivate the presence. You are so conscious that before you call your friend to gist your friend something, you first gist the Holy Spirit. I know you may look stupid, but that is Eden. It is the carrying the presence of God consciously. You are studying the word. You are laboring in the word. Not just what pastor said, but you go back and check like the Berean Christians to see whether what I've said tonight, it is so. You open your Bible and read it for yourself. You don't wait till Sunday again. You read it every day and you are checking every day. Look, it's because you've not looked for something. If you really want something, like me when I was looking for children, every day, God has given promises. So every day I'll go and check whether if you serve the Lord your God, he will bless your bread and water and remove sickness from you. You will not be barren. You will not have a miscarriage and you will fulfill the number of it. I check every day whether it's there. Every day. I open my Bible to check whether it was not cleaned yesterday. Because my, my sustenance is on that word. So the word of God can't be second. It can't be, I read my Bible today. It's not a read my Bible situation. It's you are checking for instructions for your life. You are checking. What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Everything you need is in the word. Everything. You'll be amazed. Everything. And then he said to keep it. So praying, studying the word, worship. I see people with airpods in their ear every time. It's, It's now a status thing. How about using it really? Have, the, have a message playing on your phone. The message is playing on your phone and the phone is somewhere. You are here and you are keeping yourself in the presence. You are cultivating, you are hearing the word. You are hearing worship. You are, you are, you are, your, your, your mind is focused. So many, too many, there's so much noise. So much noise. I don't know if that's what tomorrow is. I think it's tomorrow is silence the noise or something. Can't remember. I think it's silence. Some of us need to sometimes, eh, just shut down social media. You, do you know you will not die? I know I say the social media thing all of the time, but because you are a social media generation, you don't understand what I'm saying. It is so noisy out there. It's social media that makes you know that your friend is married and you are not. It's social media that knows you, makes you know that your friend is in Dubai and you are not. It's social media that makes you know that they promoted your friend and gave her a kind of office and you don't have a job. It's social media. And a lot of it is audio money. All those people, one single ten but they don't have. So they are wearing things they borrowed. Especially the ones abroad. If you do like this, they stag. Because in 30 days, you can refund it. As far as you have the receipt. It's not like that. They are deceiving you. They will buy shoe and snap. It's not their own. Everything is on credit. Those cars is on credit. You are paying $300 every month. They are living false lives and you are, you, are, you are frustrated. Meanwhile, you are doing better than them because you can pay your house rent once. The second thing, he said to keep it, which means to maintain in condition or order as by care or labor. 
So it still requires work. It requires intentionality. So if the presence of God, you've cultivated it by studying the word, now your job is to make sure that it is sustained. So you must keep it by doing the things you started out doing. So you can't escape prayer. You can't escape worship. You can't escape study of the word. So Jesus came to show us how to live, how to get Eden back. You would see that Jesus, the Bible tells us that from time to time, Jesus would go away to a quiet place where he would be alone with God. And the disciples would be looking for him. When he would come out from those, his quiet times, they would see him walking on the water, coming towards them. Or there would be in a storm, chaos everywhere, Jesus would be asleep. Because he has gotten a word that nothing can happen to you now. Because you are not going to die like this. You must lay down your life. So he had something he was working with. So we're going to do the same thing tonight. We're going to cultivate and we're going to keep that presence of God. So can we rise to our feet? We're going to pray tonight.